This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. It's Kelly and Company host Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald here at this AMI Audio Live presentation for the National Braille Conference right here in uh, Toronto at the Science Center. So you mix the two together, Ramya, and you know what you get? What? A chocolate chip cookie with no, raisins. No, no, that's not what it's you get. It's the way to that be creative. That was just accidentally put here. Oh, accidentally got <laughs> into the box wrapped in packaging in, uh, in front yes, of you. Yes, uh... Yeah, somebody made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about the amazing presenters that are out here at this conference, and there's just absolutely way too much to actually see. Oh, uh, there's too much to sit down and listen. So we've gathered a few of them together uh, throughout the course of the couple of days we're on, and this is scratching the surface. This mm-hmm. is not even getting close to what these guys are talking about in their hour-long sessions and what information they're sharing, uh, not to mention what goes on over breakfast, over lunch, and outside of hours. Um, we'd like to welcome in Natalie Martinello, who has been on the program before. Hi, Nat. Awesome uh, talk this morning, which we're going to discuss. Welcome to Kelly well, and Company, AMI you. Audio Live. I'm happy to be here again. Um, you've presented here before. Yes, I have. I've been here maybe eight times. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We've had you on the show, and really what I think probably people know you for are studies, information, results, and kind of things that make you pull on your earlobe and say, hmm. So the first thing we're going to ask you about is chocolate chip raisin cookies. Yes, this is very important. Uh I have to say, Kelly, you are outvoted. I agree that they should not be mixed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I I totally agree. Which one did you pick, though, one over the other? Um, Chocolate. Okay, good. So that even really gets you The tally is getting really much better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I won't be changing my opinion because I like that. <laughs> and, and again, By the I end like of the show, either one. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so your, your presentation today was uh, called Listen and They Will Learn. I sat in and we've got some stuff that we, we want to ask you a little bit about in the feel of this. I know you can't sum up the whole hour, but maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, how this came to be, this study, first of sure. all. Sure. And the concerns. Sure. Well, this is what I presented today were kind of the preliminary results from a portion of my larger research that I'm completing for a PhD program, all related to Braille and aging. So kind of the overall theme is to better understand how aging might impact your ability to learn and use Braille. Right. And then from that, to get to some tangible evidence-based um, techniques and strategies that better meet the needs of older older people who learn Braille. And what are some of the factors like uh, that were considered if we're talking tangible? Right. So for this particular study from the presentation, um, we actually interviewed adults and seniors who had learned Braille. So these are people over the age of 40 who had learned Braille. And we wanted to better understand more of the subjective factors that played a role. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is that With aging, there are a lot of physical declines that you experience, like your tactile ability, your motor skills, and your working memory. But that wasn't really mentioned by many of the participants. Um, They did mention that at first, you know, the dots are hard to feel as they're just starting to learn Braille, but that it does get easier over time. Right. There were, it was more psychological and and social and environmental factors that played into the facilitators and barriers during that learning process. So 
When we say social, is that mm -hmm. acceptance that I need to learn Braille? Is that part of that? Yes, exactly. So overwhelmingly, uh, the biggest barrier that was raised uh, related to institutional barriers. So knowing where to learn Braille, where to find the resources to practice Braille, um, access to the devices to use Braille. This was an ongoing theme throughout all of the interviews um, that a lot of people either didn't know where to learn Braille um, or they were discouraged from learning Braille for a variety of reasons, wait lists or um, misconceptions about the fact that, you know, perhaps they shouldn't learn Braille because they still have some vision. Mm. And, you know, of course, the people in this study were persistent and did end up learning, but that does kind of highlight that there are other people who, um, you know, may already be kind of uh, uncertain about learning Braille because it is a symbol of blindness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what about all those people who fall through the cracks? Yeah. Especially yeah. people later who have to learn it as the eyesight is de deteriorating, it's that acceptance. We find that with so many things where people have that problem of, well, I guess if I go down that tunnel, I really am into the blind world. And yep. then they have the other excuse of, uh, I'm older. How am I going to learn this? It's not so easy. Yeah. And there were findings that kind of indicate, too, that if you're young, learn Braille. Uh, it helps you further in life. Natalie, I think you said something like that. Yeah, so there is a lot of prior, like previous research that does confirm, you know, the earlier you learn Braille, the better it is. The earlier you learn anything. Right. Yeah. Right? Because it sticks better. Yeah, yeah your brain yeah. is more adaptable. But that there's lots of evidence that learning is a lifelong process. It's just that adults learn differently from children. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to really understanding what strategies to use to really maximize their success. So what are some of the challenges um, that were kind of considered when this survey was conducted mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, the challenges that um, you guys would have to kind of accumulate this information and challenges that people were having that they expressed? Yeah, so, of course, this is a very limited population, right? It's very difficult to find older people who have learned Braille. It shouldn't be that way, um, but, but the reality is that there are a lot of older adults with vision loss who, for a variety of reasons, don't learn Braille, often because they feel that they can't learn Braille because they're too old, right. or, again, that because they still have remaining vision, which a lot of older people with vision loss do, that it's not for them, that Braille is really something for people who are blind. So a lot of, um, initially, you know, one, one ongoing theme were, was related to feelings uh, that the, the learner had related to Braille before they started learning Braille. So that could be all these misconceptions about, uh, you know, Braille is just for blind people. Braille is uh, very difficult to learn. Um, Braille is only for people who want to read long texts like novels. Mm. So a lot of people don't know you can use Braille for daily living, for all kinds of purposes. Mm, you discussed identifying yourself as a Braille user and yes. those daily uses. you want to discuss that? Sure. Yeah, so of course you, you can use Braille for reading novels and longer, longer texts of that nature. But Braille is a great daily living tool. You can label your household items. You can uh, write uh, recipes. A lot of people, even in this study, said that, yeah, they use technology, but they don't really want to get their expensive devices in the kitchen, right, when they're right. using all kinds of things. So um, writing personal notes like grocery lists, um, all of that, um, Braille becomes very helpful, right? When you're giving presentations, I always have my notes in Braille. 
because you don't want to have to kind of multitask with a screen reader right, and yep. audience attention and, and so on and so forth. So it's just another tool to have in your toolbox. We had one participant who does still have vision. She has low vision. And she finds it difficult to read. But what she found especially frustrating was having to go look for that tiny little magnifier that she left somewhere in her house. Yes, right? yes. Every time she needs to read something. Yeah. And so Braille gave her the flexibility to not have to always have tools with her all the time. It, stories like that. Could you mm -hmm. tell us some of those at all that come to your mind or anything that these people taking and being involved in the study, um, people learning Braille, any of the negative or positive stories that had to come out of that uh, that you want to share, comments made? Sure. Well, one really interesting thing that I found is that, you know, we talk a lot about how Braille is a tool that can be used to complete a task, right? And often that's what we think about in rehab, what tool for what task. But what the participants really highlighted is that it goes deeper than that. Um, a lot of it came down to how the, the learner identifies themselves. For example, if how they identify themselves as a reader or a non-reader. Oh. So yes, Braille is a, a Braille and audio and all those other formats are practical tools that you can use to complete different tasks. Um, but if a person truly identifies themselves as a reader, those alternative methods like audio may not actually be the best, the only best option mm -hmm. for them, right? So we had one participant say, you know, I, I grew up in a family where we read every night and we were actually imposed a number of books that we could read every night. And I have this internal voice that I hear whenever I would read print or now when I read Braille. And I don't have that when I'm just listening. And Braille allowed her to kind of um, reconnect with a part of herself that she lost, that identity as a reader. And so it's not just what tool for what task, but also how does the person feel about mm. what they're using and Right, so and that is so deep, and yeah. how they identify themselves totally. <laughs> I mean, it's it true, though, because it's true. when you use a screen reader or when you're re listening to an audiobook, you don't have that internal voice yeah. reading to you. You don't view yourself as a reader. That's incredibly important, um, and that kind of leads to my next question, which was, how do people choose? If you guys have any, uh, you know, intake on that, how do people choose between technology and Braille if? You know, as you get older, either one would be a difficult decision, right? And, you know, mm -hmm. how do they end up making that? Mm -hmm. So, first of all, more and more what we're talking about in Braille conversations is that it's not an either-or, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this misconception in the general public that technology is replacing Braille. But anyone who uses Braille will vehemently disagree with you these days on this because, <laughs> <laughs> like Kelly, I'm sure, um, because because of technology, we're, we have way more access to Braille, especially if you have access well, it's to It's like Braille. the resurgence, right? Yeah. We, we accused technology of trying to kill Braille before, yeah. that it was doing it, that Braille mm -hmm. was going, and now it, it's, it's almost... It's picked it up. Yeah, and I don't want to say it's the saving grace. I'm not, I don't mean mm -hmm. to suggest that it was no. that close to the brink, but because all the people who prefer, who may learn better using Braille, lots of people, yeah. my friends tell me... Or in Kelly, combination. Yeah, in I can't retain stuff unless I feel it, exactly. unless I read it, and now you've got copious amounts of way of consuming it. Yeah, and you have way more access to material if you get your hands on a Braille device, which for adult learners is important because one thing that I mentioned during the talk is that adult learners, for the most part, 
feel a little discouraged when they're sitting there reading, you know, see, spot, run. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Right? You yeah. want material that's motivating for them. You get that through a Braille display or through, you know, uh, material that's more designed for older learners. Wow. Now, Natalie, is there more? Uh, what's coming up next when it comes to study or your own work? Sure. Well, so what I presented today was kind of the preliminary first look at the results. So we'll have more results that I didn't even touch on today in the future. Um, and then we have future research kind of in the, same, on the, in the same area of Braille and aging. We're going to be looking at kind of the impact of Braille devices on Braille learning and whether that can improve outcomes for older learners. We're going to be looking at how different things like tactile and your motor and your working memory change throughout your life and how that impacts your Braille reading skills. And from that, what we can do to kind of develop strategies around that. So a lot more coming. Awesome. We'll be listening for it. You know where we are. We'll want yeah. you back on and talk some more. Or send us whoever is best to talk on whatever subjects. I know a lot of people Excellent. are involved. Literacy Canada and so on. Braille Literacy yeah. Canada. Um, uh, Natalie Martinello joining us. We've had her on the program before talking about the study involving adults and seniors in learning Braille. Uh, we're going to take a break, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, we've got our good friend Christina Stoyanova of The App Show joining us. And uh, she's got a great way that using the health app uh, over there that Apple has, we can measure our caffeine intake. No way, I'm not doing that. It's <laughs> off the scale, folks. We'll be back with this AMI-audio live after this. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. I'm Margaret Shepherd of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.
Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.